You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I am now in my car. I'm leaving Barkley Center. Why not do a drive-home edition of the Evan Roberts podcast? I haven't done one of those in a while. And I'm not waiting for some great victory for me to be all giddy about. Instead, it's just, you know, your typical loss to the Boston Celtics for the ninth straight time. It's kind of the world we're used to. Uh, I'm already in a crappy mood because the Nets lost. And then I parked my car on Flatbush Avenue. I feel really smart. I wait for the meters, not even the meters, the no standing till 7. I pull up right at 7. I pull in, I feel good, I walk five, six blocks, get a little exercise in because I'm a fat ass, and then when I come to get my car after the game, usually it's nice and easy to take my car go home. Today I got two jackasses, no coincidence, uh, one has a Connecticut license plate, means they're a Celtic douche, uh, the other one had a New York plate, but I could just tell, probably didn't even go to the game, and they couldn't have jammed me in any tighter. Like, I couldn't be any more tight in a spot. And what pisses me off is that I did everything I could to not be jammed. I pulled up. I gave myself room. There was room behind me. There's room in front of me. But everybody leaves. And so the guy behind me comes right up my ass. And sure, you can take it out of context and play it as a drop. I don't care. Uh, And then the guy in front of me pulls all the way back so he's right in front. So I had to... Maneuver. I'm very proud of myself. I maneuvered my spot out. The problem is I got one of those cars like we all do where they feel the need to warn you, to beep over and over again that there's a car right behind you. They got to do it over and over again. Well, I see that. I know that. I know they're right behind me. Um, I think I'm going down a one way, so I may be in trouble. Uh, yeah, I guess I was down a runway and some woman is yelling at me. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to do that. My apologies. I'm all good now. Why was she screaming at me? Why the hell would she care that I'm going down a one way? And it wasn't really a one way. It was a do not enter unless you're a bus or you have a permit. I am not a bus. I don't have a permit. I did it safely. And now I'm turning and I'm good. I'm good to go. I had to maneuver around because I was parked the other direction on Flatbush. So the only way to get home is I got to like turn around. Whatever. The point is, I don't even know what my point was. Uh, The Nets suck. Or at least tonight they suck. That's my point. They're not a crappy team. They played decent for three quarters. But I think the cream rises to the top. And that's what we saw in the fourth quarter of this game. I think what's obnoxious is that the Celtics really ended this game in the first let's say, four or five minutes of the fourth quarter. It was a tight game throughout. Nets had various leads, led by seven, I think, at one point. 
And every time they would build a five-point lead or a seven-point lead, Boston would immediately cut it back down to one and then take a lead, kind of like they did at the half. But in the fourth quarter, they went into the final 12 minutes down by two. So we had ourselves a basketball game. And considering Boston had played last night and the Nets haven't played in what seems like forever, you would have thought, okay, Nets have a pretty big edge going into the fourth quarter of this game just based on freshness. Now, granted, Marcus Smart didn't play the night before, but the rest of the Celtic team did play. Uh, And the first four or five minutes of the fourth quarter, the Nets lost the game. And it happened with Jason Tatum sitting on the bench. And this whole game happened in a a night where Tatum didn't kill the Nets offensively. Uh, Made some very good passes and certainly was the playmaker we know he can be and made some plays defensively. But we didn't see that, you know, 35-point night from Jason Tatum, a guy who's averaging 30 a game as it is. The Nets lost this game because offensively, they were completely shut down in the fourth quarter. And really, after spreading the wealth over the first three quarters of this game, Joe Harris stepped up as he was given the start. And Joe Harris, to me, is the number one guy I looked at and said, okay, who's got to step up with Durant out? You can tell someone doesn't watch the Nets and they just want to talk about it on TV when they say it's Ben Simmons. It's not Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is going to step up like magically. Ben Simmons is going to be a basketball player. He has never been with the Brooklyn Nets. What, he's going to be aggressive? He's going to go to the basket? He's going to score 20 in a game? That doesn't happen. And that's not like, I don't want to just sit here crapping on Ben Simmons because Ben does some some things really well. Even in this game, he did a few things pretty well. How many times did he find an open T.J. Warren or an open Joe Harris or an open Seth Curry? Like, he still has that incredible court vision. He still can defend at a pretty high level. Uh, I thought he rebounded all right tonight. He just can't score. And he's not looking for his shot. And offensively, when he gets in the paint, he dilly-dallies. He puts up those little baby hooks. He's afraid of contact at the basket. He's not the guy he was three years ago. And... I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's ever going to be that guy or he's definitely not going to be that guy. I just know he's not that guy right now. So with KD out and you're needing to replace 35 minutes a night, but you're more important than that, looking to replace 30 points a night and you're looking to replace something that's really irreplaceable and that is the presence he brings out on the floor and even his defense that he brings, which should not go forgotten. The only way you're going to make up for that is you're going to need individuals to step up to kind of piece together the 30 points a game that you're missing from Durant. And so with a guy like Joe Harris, who's not had a great year for whatever reason, maybe it's the layoff, maybe it's the surgery, maybe the ankle's still bothering him, I don't know. Maybe he's just just not shooting well. Maybe he doesn't is not comfortable to this offense quite yet. Whatever the reason, they're going to need Joe to step up, and Joe did, to his credit. Joe played very well in this game against Boston. Uh, he made seven shots, hit a bunch of threes, finished around the rim like Joe Harris was good. That's what they're going to need. T.J. Warren stepped up. You know, Jock Vaughn pretty much said T.J.'s not going to play 38 minutes a night. I understand that. But we can see the offense that T.J. Warren can supply, and he was supplying it. You know, the Nets were picking it up from everywhere, and that was important. The problem is, and we saw this late, and I guess the good news is this is really only going to be a problem when you're facing an elite team. You know, this should not be a problem on a night-in-a-night-out basis when you're not facing the elite teams in this league. But Kyrie Irving, as the superstar player, he's not that. 
And that's not like a complete knock on how gifted he is or his resume in this league or how he fits in an ideal world playing next to Kevin Durant. But that's the key, playing next to Kevin Durant. Kyrie Irving takes some difficult shots. It doesn't feel like he makes his teammates around him better, something Kevin Durant does on a nightly basis. And so in the fourth quarter of this game when they were struggling to score, I mean, just could not get a basket at any point. So you see a two-point deficit become four and become eight and become 12, and the game pretty much slips away because you're not coming back against a team like this late down 12. It was really Kyrie Irving settling for difficult shots. And Kyrie Irving is a brilliant ball handler, and he's a brilliant basketball player, and he can make some difficult shots, but on a possession-by-possession possession basis against a tough defense like this, what are we, what are we relying on? Now, you're basically relying on Kyrie Irving to dribble past three guys, finish around the rim, or hit a step-back three, and those shots were not falling. They weren't really falling all night. It's not as if Kyrie Irving had a brilliant night early. It wasn't brilliant by any stretch. But when you're facing a team that's better than you, and even without Jalen Brown, the Boston Celtics are a better basketball team than the Brooklyn Nets. I I don't know how much better they are when the Nets are fully clicking and Durant's healthy because we haven't quite seen that yet. You know, we saw them play a few weeks ago right before the big winning streak in the midst of the Nets certainly turning their season around. And the Nets came up short, no doubt. I don't think Ben Simmons played in that game. Again, not end-all, be-all stuff, but if we're trying to measure how good this team is, obviously this game's not a measuring stick. You're playing without your best player. The Nets are not a championship team without Kevin Durant. I'm not freaking breaking any news here. But when James Harden was here two years ago and Durant was out with the hamstring, the Nets relied on not one but two superstars, one of which has proven to be a lead guy and can be a lead guy. Kyrie Irving throughout his NBA career, uh, before LeBron went back to Cleveland, when Kyrie went to Boston and Tatum was developing in the first year without Durant, look, he's never proven to be that lead, lead guy. And so in the fourth quarter of this game, the Nets needed offense. They needed their superstar to step up, and he was nowhere to be found. I'm not worried Maybe I will be at some point because the Nets do have a long West Coast trip coming up. I'm not fully worried yet because I think this team is more than capable of playing good basketball and surviving without Durant. That's the key word, surviving. What are your expectations for what this team's going to do without KD? I think everybody listening right now, if you're actually a Nets fan and not just, you know, listening because you're like, I don't know. I don't know what the hell. Why, why the hell would you be listening if you're not a Nets fan? You just like basketball content? You just like me upset? I don't know. But if you're a Net fan listening, you got to ask yourself, okay, assume Durant's out a month. I think that's a fair assumption. What do you really expect in, let's say, 16 games that he misses? And let's make it an even number and say, okay, he's going to miss 16 games. What's your reasonable expectation? Because I can tell you mine, mine is not going to be to go 12-4, and four, as great as that would be, and that would be awesome. My expectation is to play 500 basketball. And if you could play 500 basketball for one month, you're going to drop further behind Boston, no doubt, no question. You're going to drop behind Milwaukee, no doubt, no question. But I'm not sure how much farther you're going to fall. Are you going to fall behind Cleveland? Are you going to fall behind Miami? Are you going to fall behind Philadelphia? 
Maybe. But the key is you don't want to fall as far as they fell last year. And last year they gave themselves a cushion, kind of like they have now, and they used every bit of that cushion as they free-falled all the way to the play-in tournament. Now I have, and I think we all do, have loftier goals than just avoiding the play-in tournament. You know, being the sixth seed is not an ideal scenario. (laughs) I don't want that. I still would love to have home court advantage in the first round. I would still love to catch Boston, ideally. I'd love to be the number one seed. But it's going to be a challenge without Durant. Are they equipped to deal with it? Yes, no doubt. I thought you saw signs of this in the loss to Boston with the way T.J. Warren supplied offense, with the way Joe Harris played, even in certain ways the way Ben Simmons played as a playmaker. Nick Claxton continues to block three shots every single night and have an all-world defensive year, and I could certainly make the argument that Nick Claxton has had the biggest impact on the net turnaround more than anybody because we already know Durant's great. We've seen Durant play great. But Claxton's evolution from a project, really, to what's become an elite-level defensive player who can guard the perimeter, who can guard the basket, uh, it's been amazing, and it's been incredibly important. That's why keeping him healthy is going to be essential, especially because they don't have a lot of depth at the position, which is another factor here. So it's one of those things where it sucks they lost. I don't like losing to the Boston Celtics. None of us do. It would have been a great win. They were in the game. But I think you look at this and say, okay, we should survive. Game on Sunday against Oklahoma City, as good as Shea Gilgis Alexander is, and the Thunder just put up like a buck 40 on the Sixers, and they're a dangerous team, no doubt. Playing a little bit under 500 in the Tough West, but in your own building with two days of rest, it's a game you got to have. It's a game you got to win. That's what's going to be important. Those games you need to take. You can't give any away because they're about to go on a long West Coast trip, which features some games you should win and some games that are going to be tricky. You also see a schedule that becomes a little bit more intense in terms of how often you're playing. One positive after the Duran injury, as much as I love going home and watching the Nets play basketball, especially when they're winning, and they play a lot. They play Sunday, they're off Monday, they're off Tuesday, they're off Wednesday before they come out for this game on Thursday night. They're off Friday, they're off Saturday before they play the Thunder. The schedule after that is going to become a lot more tight. They're going to play a lot more often. So when Kyrie Irving plays 38 minutes night after night, you got to hope he doesn't wear down. We saw him wear down last year after he came back from the vaccine rules. And certainly guys like T.J. Warren and Joe Harris, less Edmund Sumner, who's not getting huge burn, but in Harris and Warren's case, two guys you circle and say, hey, it's important they step up. Well, I don't know how often they're going to play in a condensed stretch like that. Does Jacques Vaughn open up the minutes for both guys? I'm not sure. I don't know. As far as the atmosphere in this building was concerned, There were no doubt a lot of Celtic fans. As I walked in at about 7.15, I saw a lot of green. Hence why I tweeted, I see too much green. A lot of Celtic fans. I thought once the game was going on, if you wanted me to give you a fair breakdown of the crowd, I'd say it was about 70-30, maybe 65-35. So definitely a great showing by the Celtic fans, which 
is to be expected. They have a huge fan base here, even in New York, as obnoxious as it is. But whatever, we lost. I mean, that's... You know what? I I give you the information. I do care how many fans of the other team are in my building. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. But really, all that matters is winning and losing. And they lost. And that sucks. Whether you have Kevin Durant or not. I'm a fan who cares about every single game. Call me a schmuck. Maybe I am. I hear a lot of people say, and they're right, not disagreeing with them, boy, the NBA regular season doesn't mean that much. How do we fix it? For guys like me, it doesn't need fixing because I'm, I'm into my team every single night. But I get it. I get why that's a perception out there. I get why people talk about that. But for me, I care every single night. I care too much, and that's why I'm a little pissed off. But I go home in this sort of rainstorm with hope. Not believing that this team is about to embark on an epic collapse like we saw a year ago. So to my fellow Net fans, even though losing to the Celtics is not a good feeling, though a feeling I'm very used to now, as it is nine consecutive losses to those green pricks, I leave you with some hope. Some hope that this team will beat the Thunder on Sunday, fingers crossed, and actually play reasonably well on their upcoming West Coast trip. I appreciate you listening. If you did, to the Evan Roberts Podcast Drive Home Edition, make sure you're listening to Craig and I Monday through Friday at 2 o'clock, and I'm back doing Saturdays with my old partner, Joe B, at 10 a.m. on the fan. I now bid you adieu, sir.